You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out hey guys welcome to land and legacy podcast this is your host adam keith we're co-owners of a consulting company called, go figure, Land and Legacy. This is your number one podcast resource for all things land. Each week we're breaking down topics from land management, habitat management, conservation, farming practices, and real estate. We hope you guys enjoy it. guys welcome back thanks for joining us for another land legacy podcast this week brought to you by pure air natives um we have a follow-up podcast uh we had one of these guys on back in we believe it was january um out of south carolina and we were talking about a consult and and i worked on the property back back then and and now it's fast forward it's nine months later and there's kind of some immediate changes they've noticed, and we just wanted to have them on, talk about it. We have Mr. Russell Kaiser from actually North Carolina, right? You there? That's right. That's Kings right. Mountain, Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Yep. From North Carolina, properties in South Carolina. And uh, great to have you with us once again. I guess it doesn't much matter. You still got the accent, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Still, still eating those Crowder peas too. That's right, man. That's right. So, uh, we, uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, Russell, one thing has nothing to do with habitat, but, um, what are those things that fall from oak trees in the fall that deer love? How do you acorns. pronounce it? Oh, you call them acorns. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, either I, way, acorns, acorns, whatever you want to call them. That's right. I, uh, I 
grew up on the Primos hunting videos. I mean, I loved them. And they always called them acorns. And I don't remember who. <laughs> there was a couple of the guys that I knew um, growing up that called them acorns as well. And so I just grew up calling them acorns. And my goodness, I didn't realize it was like I was cursing many mamas when I started saying that on the podcast. There was a lot of uh, a lot of guys that uh, would would get on there and be like, "Oh, acorns!" The guy can't even say acorns. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, "Whoa, okay, okay, I'll try to pronounce it all right for you guys." So uh, anyway, all right, well, so Sunshine Legacy Farms out of South Carolina. We were there in January, yep. or I was there in January, and, um, you know, the property, to, to paint the picture for all the listeners, uh, if you want to go back, we'll put the link to that podcast uh, in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to it, but it's kind of a mixed property. Um, there is some, uh, w- what region of South Carolina is this? Uh, York, South Carolina. Okay. York, South Carolina. Is this got kind mm-hmm. of like a a locational geographical area for some guys? Like, um, like here for me, it's the Ozark Mountains. It's the northern part of the Ozark Mountains. But for you guys, um, not anything, anything. Uh, what part of South Carolina, geologically speaking, would you guys call this? Uh, I guess it would be kind of upstate South Carolina. It's just, uh, it's just real ridgy. I guess we don't have. Super tall, super steep ridges, but just mediocre, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. You don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of flat land. I mean, there's some around, you know, but on yep. the, on the, on the particular piece of property, it's, it's mainly ridges. Gotcha. So you know, a lot of clay, a lot of sand. A lot of clay, a lot of sand, hard to grow anything but pine trees and red dirt. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So when we were there, our back in January, could you, let's talk a little bit about the amount of time spent on the farm. Where was most of that time going? Well, we just recently got that new piece of property, uh, you know, the second farm, what we refer to. And, yes. uh, I guess mainly all our time was really spent over there, uh, trying to get stuff cleared off and where we could gain access and, uh, making food plots and uh that's probably pretty probably pretty much would sum it up you know food plots uh we spent a lot of time messing with food plots and uh clearing you know trying to trying to feed more deer yeah 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 for sure and and i and that's exactly what i what i assumed and what we talked about is you know when you get in an initial property the first thing you want to do is try to add food plots. So it seems like that's the that's the trend. That's the fun thing. You want to clear it out, and you want to put seed in the ground, and you want to watch it grow, um, which is great. But at the same time, uh, when I was there, we noticed a few things. It was like, where where's the ideal bedding areas? There there weren't many. Like, where, where are the deer bedding? Well, they just kind of. I remember one of the first food plots we went to was talking to you and Marcus. Where where do the deer come from and you kind of gave me that <laughs> that big wavy paintbrush hand of going yeah kind of that way and uh it's like okay well we got a, at least we got a direction but now we need to figure out exactly what to do with that direction and and uh define it even more and 
I, I don't remember, but we we laid out a many, many betting tickets on your property. We and, uh, you know, Russell, I want you to talk a little bit about the mindset or, or initially whenever you heard about the betting tickets and a lot of the plan, a lot of our discussion wasn't really evol- uh, involving the food plots. It was more of timber stuff. Walk me through kind of your mindset and uh and what that was like trying to understand that well i'm 38 now i've hunted you know all my life uh started hunting on my own since i was i guess 10 years old you know old enough to be trusted uh in the woods by myself and i always was taught i guess north and south carolina hunting north and south carolina that that bedding uh was just it was where it was thick you know so you look in a place and there's just, it's just, you know, tight with saplings and cedars and, and whatnot, just where you can't even, you'd have to just about crawl through it. And, oh, that's, that's where they're bedding, they're bedding in there. You know, we, we just didn't know no difference. And I swear this whole hunting experience for me from, from, you know, my past to the present has been, I've been one, one step behind, you know, uh, right behind the eight ball seems like, uh, seems like I learn it, you know, after I've already done, done something, you know, then I'll have to go back and redo it, Yeah, which is fine. And, uh, especially this season, it seems like, uh, but, you know, fast forward to the present, we got you down there and, uh, you know, I thought we had all this nice, thick, thick property that, I mean, this is just where the deer were, you know, they were in these thick areas, you know, they're over there. It's really thick. They're over there. It's really thick. They're over there. It's really thick. But I had no idea that that was, I mean, it's really not usable, it's not, it's really not usable space on your farm. I mean, you really don't, it's really not what you want. Uh, and yeah. then you told us how to, you told us how to cut the bedding areas, you know, and we went in there and, and cut the first one, uh, on the original farm. Uh, it's on a tall ridge and it's just on the other side of a Creek, uh, from a, from a food plot, you know, and, uh, that thing turned out i mean you just would not believe night and day difference you know we went in there we have a ton of those what are they beech trees that yeah. hold their leaves pretty yeah, much yeah. all year round yeah. we have a ton of those and they're about useless and so we cut just about every beech tree off that ridge uh and this is probably a probably a two acre like a old it, the area would look like an old tv you know kind of round round in the corners just yeah. a big tube sitting yeah. on top of the on top of that ridge how big of and an area? Around two acres. Around two acres. Perfect. And uh, before, <clears throat> uh, the the main road borders one side of that. So we're up and down that road all the time, you know, with the tractor or the side-by-side going around to the other piece of property. And, uh, you know, I constantly scan the banks for deer trails. You know, I always have in, in, in North Carolina or South Carolina, you know, we, we say a deer dar, you know, a deer radar. Oh, I always yeah. have my deer dar, deer dar on, so I'm looking for sign. And uh, between January and now, since we've cut that bedding area, there is uh, at least out there on the main road, there's at least two defined dirt trails going up this bank into that bedding area. And so when you get on top of that ridge, that bedding area that we made now, it's uh, a lot of briars, probably chest high, uh, a lot of blue stem come up. Uh, what is that other stuff? Uh, horse broom tail, se- broom sedge. Yeah, any broom, broom sedge? sedge. Yeah, broom blue sedge, stem of the south. Tail. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ragweed, the giant ragweed. 
That's awesome. I mean, it's just good. There's a, there's a green carpet, you know, on the bottom of the forest now, and there's a lot of light that comes in. I mean, it looks very, uh, like you and Matt like to say, very bucky, very bucky. That's awesome. That's awesome. At, at what point when you cut it, how long before you went back into it to, uh, to check it out? What, two weeks ago, maybe? Gotcha. It's been a long time, but when we cut it, we cut it, you know, around the 1st of February or so. Yeah. And uh, maybe the last, yeah. maybe the last week in January, the 1st of February, and then haven't, haven't been back up there. You know, we've been, we moved on to other projects. I mean, we got, we try to, anytime, you know, I try to do something or we start something, we try to complete one thing and then move to the next one. That way we don't have 15 projects spread out across the farm, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so we completed that one and moved on to the next one and, uh, and just haven't been back until recently. Awesome. And I actually, awesome. I actually cut the trail back in there this past uh, weekend, uh, to get ready to put a, put a ladder stand or a tree stand or whatever we're going to put on the top of that ridge where we can overlook that bedding area. Gotcha. And you're, and that's the one where you're going to come from the road. Uh, right. yeah. Right. To where the, so kind of, kind of the idea is there's a food plot um, down the hill. So in the mornings, deer, hopefully in the food plots are over in other parts of the property chasing acorns and yep. they can slip right up from the road and it's not, but a less than a hundred, hundred yard walk and, and be sitting overlooking that bedding thicket as deer work their way back towards it. So yep. um, it's kind of the best case scenario and, and uh, should be a, an awesome, awesome set in an area that you guys haven't hunted much at all. If, if any in no, the past, we, we, we had never been up there at all. I mean, they were in there and done a select cut, you know, around seven years or so ago, but, uh, it, it kind of got overtaken with saplings and, uh, those. you know, it just, the canopy was closed, you know, the canopy yeah. was closed. There was yeah. nothing green on the ground. And yeah. also, you know, in that green carpet on the ground, you know, this around, you know, uh, belly to chest high, there is a ton of beds, just deer beds, just everywhere, hmm. just everywhere on top of that ridge. So, I mean, we know for a fact it is working. That's one yeah. project that we done, you know, that probably took maybe, I don't know, four hours total that yeah. actually worked. You can go up there and see the results. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Very, very cool. Um, I guess for, for the listeners to, to, whenever you were talking about uh, beforehand and what it, you guys thought you had this real thick property and there was just a lot of, a lot of thick bucky areas, you know, beforehand you had food plots going into timber that had been cut, like you said, seven years ago or so. And so there yes. was some forest regen underneath those underneath uh, the canopy, but by this point, most of the timber and the timber wasn't cut real aggressive, so most of the timber was still closed canopy, uh, minus a few little pockets where they may have cut uh, may have cut a few more trees uh, than they had in other places. And by that point, most of the most of those areas were saplings uh, already over ten foot tall. And yeah. um, or, were already kind of to a point where they weren't nearly as beneficial. And so with that, it's like, okay, we need to open this back up, get more young forest, get more early successional plants, and 
not only that, but we're going to have to implement fire to try to keep these in a more beneficial state. Yeah, and that's that's something else that we really worked hard on is getting our fire breaks in this year. You know, because prior to you coming, we we hadn't thought about burning. You know, we didn't have any fire breaks. Yeah. Uh, but now the the first farm, the original farm, it is fire break ready. You know, we have fire breaks all through there. And Perfect. January 1, we are going to be ready, you know, to put some fire on the ground. Just as soon as the weather permits, we'll be ready to burn. Awesome. Awesome. It's going to it's gonna change. Going to change. I mean, you're South Carolina, fellas. Uh, fires is very important down there, especially for you guys' management plan. So it's going to be awesome to hear how that's implemented and how the wildlife uh wildlife benefit from it and one thing mark really talked about was wanting to have more rabbits or more quail um, having that ability have you guys noticed any kind of change with rabbits i know it's only been year well, one have you have you been seeing many rabbits there there's been a huge change with rabbits uh we had when we planted our soybeans we had 26 days of dry weather and I know I've sent you, sent you pictures of our utilization cages that we put in the beans, and the deer just absolutely murdered those beans. Yeah. I mean, they were tall in yeah. the cage, you know. They were chest high in the cage, but outside, you know, it was, what, six inches tall. I mean, absolutely murdered them. So after they murdered the beans, you know, we kind of had grass come back up in the field, and, and we didn't spray and uh, kind of just, just frustrated with the whole thing, you know, because our – our beans didn't do good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. so the grass come up and I had talked to Keith about, you know, when we planted our fall blend and you know, I wanted to get a good kill on that weed bed and that grass bed. And he suggested that I go ahead and mow it, uh, mow that thick grass and then, you know, spray it and then we drill it. Yeah. Uh, kind of spread that duff around is, is all, I, all I did. Just, we, we got a big layer of duff now, uh, yep. where I mowed. Anyway, so when I was mowing, you would not believe the rabbits that run out of those fields. It was just, it was absolutely insane. I've never seen that many rabbits run out of the field. That's funny. Now, uh, now the quail, you know, we've randomly seen quail here and there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. to the right of, to the right of the cabin, uh, there's a pond, and on the other side of the pond, there's kind of like a test field that we, that we plant, uh, different ways, just trying different things. We've always have. And uh, there was actually a covey of quail back in, uh, I guess, early spring green up. Uh, gotcha. And and Mark was down there and seen them. And uh, he actually walked down there and, and kicked them up, you know, bringing back his childhood memories. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that, got him, that got him real excited. You know, the quail is definitely going to take some more management to really get them uh, in a sustainable population um, but it's nice to know they're already there. So whenever the, the prescribed fire is put in place and in that field that, uh, your pine field, that's probably got a lot of, uh, that still had a lot of tall fescue. Once that's removed, you start getting more, uh, more of the early successional plant communities back in there. You're going to start seeing more of these quail. So, um, it definitely yeah. is motiv uh, motivating to know that there's already quail around. Now we just got to make the the proper habitat to where they have uh, a healthy healthy habitat to where they can can thrive. So I tell you, I mean, the place was so thick, you know, when you came, and uh, now you know we took that cutter head on the front of the skid steer and we mowed a lot of those saplings 
out of that select cut area on the back. Yep. And I mean, it is, it has come up so green and so nice. I mean, it's just a beautiful Savannah. I think I sent you some pictures this weekend or I meant to, if I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, it is just killer back here. It is just so awesome. I mean, yeah. we, we improved that place so drastically. I mean, it's just, it is really ridiculous. In one year. Yeah. In one, in one year. But now, I mean, we did go down there and work, you know, a lot of Fridays we'd take off work and go down and work. And then every, every Saturday since, you came uh i have been down there every single saturday <laughs> that's funny i know uh it was definitely it's always that's why you're on the podcast because it's always nice to talk and we had one of our clients a few weeks ago matt talked to todd watts about old field management and how he basically went from managing food plots to managing old field areas and how much more of a change he saw in the deer in the deer numbers and the in the deer density and the quality of the deer just in changing his mind from and in, in management from just focused on the food plots focus on prescribed fire and, and old field management and for you in your case you know a lot of people will be like well i know there's guys thinking about you just said you took that grinder head down there and, and mowed this is trying to to bring something back from out almost out of reach you guys had 10 to 15 foot tall saplings and you could try to burn them but in 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 times sometimes prescribed fire conditions don't allow to send a hot enough fire to top kill those saplings and bring them back down to a usable a usable height for uh, white-tailed deer and so by using that grinder head you guys were able to bring them right back to where i'm sure a lot of them stump sprouted um, but now they're in a they're in a height to where prescribed fire and deer can utilize them, and the prescribed fire can knock them back and keep them. Every time you burn, it's going to keep it at a at a uh, manageable height. Um, so you guys using that grinder head uh, have definitely um, been able to keep keep things in a very manageable space and uh, and prepare yourself for the next or for the first big uh, prescribed fire that you guys will have January in January of this year. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be killer. You know, we burn a small area. I don't know if I sent you pictures or not, but back Remember, in April we didn't really didn't really have favorable burning conditions, you know, all winter. Uh, but I think back in April we did just a couple small areas and uh, the amount of green and natives, you know, that came back from that was I mean, it was killer, and I mean, yeah. turkey, turkeys, turkeys flock to that immediately. Uh, I mean, so the deer. I mean, there's places you know where deer have new trails that I know for a fact there wasn't a trail there before, and now it's down to the dirt. I mean, the deer are definitely using that. The yeah, the those whitetails. I mean, they don't they don't like it super thick over your head. I mean, they may use it from time to time, and you may think they do, but more a more favorable can uh, setup for them is going to be you know i'd say chest to belly high or lower yeah they don't really need that protection overhead it's more of a now up in up in the northern states when it comes to snow sure they're going to need some thermal cover but you guys are right. down where <laughs> i don't know how cold you'll see it in the in the winter but typically it's not very cold especially not for very long and so you guys are more no, it's not. I, I, we talk about this. We've talked about this with several people, and may have mentioned it on the podcast. 
when you if somebody's saying woody stem count is is very beneficial that's most likely going to say a, that's a northern a northern part of the country opinion down in your part of the world we're more about managing herbaceous cover and trying to provide as much forage throughout the year to where we can relieve some of the pressure on the food plots and that's uh right. And and not only that, it also goes hand in hand with managing invasives because you guys have such a long growing season that um, invasives are a, are a, are a big problem for you guys, and that's why putting things in place to where you can use prescribed fire um, because those invasives, being non-native, haven't evolved, haven't adapted to a fire-ridden landscape, and so by running fire through there. You're giving your natives a lot better chance to outperform and outcompete those those invasive species. Yeah. So I've never I have never looked forward to anything more than I have this upcoming burning season. I mean, <laughs> I am so so ready to burn that first farm. I mean, we got so close, and then you know it, it just got wet again, and then summertime was here before you know it, and we just we just didn't get to do it. Yep. And and then we had you know so much to do as far as our fire breaks, but I'm. I am so ready to burn that first farm. I mean, I can taste it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were able. We had uh, we had prescribed fire planned, and man, we just well, we were at all you guys' farms, and we were all over consulting. And the fire window never really happened for us, except for in in uh, I think it was early April. Uh, we finally got some condition. We we're like, you know what? Let's burn, and we were able to burn an area that we were really looking forward to burning and and uh, man it did really good and we have incredible results uh it's part of the woodland restoration that we've shared pictures of on our facebook and instagram mm-hmm. and uh man it's just it's so beneficial not only is not only when we're talking these bedding thickets it's not it, it's something that's the main principle or the main um purpose of that was to improve bedding for white-tailed deer because that's your guys's biggest species that you wanted to manage for and and you hunt for but at the same time the great thing about it is not only does this benefit the white-tailed deer but it also benefits nesting for wild turkeys it benefits nesting for bobwhite quail once you guys start opening that canopy back up throughout the entire property, getting into more of a woodland, uh, a woodland setting with your openings, your wildlife openings or bedding thickets, as we call them, um, you're going to have better nesting for bobwhite quail. But at the same time, you're getting er- early successional plant communities or even as it progresses more into the perennial plant communities that are pollinator-specific, uh, more of the four flowering plants, you're providing benefits to the pollinators. And it's just one of those things where your work is benefiting your hunting, but it's benefiting almost all the native species um, throughout the farm that, that utilize the farm. And so it's something that's very exciting for us to to lay out and know that it's getting implemented. But it's even more excited for somebody like you and Mark that um, have kind of, you, you've been focused on deer, but now you're starting to see the change and you're getting more excited about all the benefits to the to the native species. Absolutely. If I if I was to take on a new property today, uh, before I crank the first bulldozer or whatever, I'm gonna go in there and crank that chainsaw uh, and make some bedding thickets. Absolutely. Not, you're, you're creating uh, 
bedding, but you're also creating food. That's one thing that you haven't talked much about. That's you know, right. Deer is lazy. When when they're laying there, uh, they like to nibble over here, nibble over there, nibble over there. When you've created this bedding thicket, not only have you created that good cover, but you've created a bunch of food. That's right. That's right. And and I think that's something that you think about that from a, from a, across the landscape and across the entire farm. You've got these, you've got, you said this one that specifically was two acres, but you've got a half acre over here, a one acre one over there. The way it, we're describing it and the way it's fragmented out and laid out, there are pr- they're pretty much food native food plots across the property in the same size as normal food plots. But the other side of it is you can put these in areas that you couldn't get a food plot. Um, Absolutely. And, and so now you've got a native food source in an area that you couldn't put a food plot or have a successful food plot. So now you've got food in multiple places across the farm. You combine that with food plots and you've got, you've got food on side slopes in valleys on ridge tops. And then you've got food plots on open areas that are flat. And pretty soon you've got food across the entire landscape. So you can hold more deer. You can relieve some of your pressure from your food plots and, and maybe you have soybeans that make it to, to actually producing pods. Not sure if that's the case for you guys, because um, you guys have, have to shoot some does first. <laughs> you've got a lot of does down there, and I, and I know I, I get cracked up when we first when I first visited your property. There was very much a uh, I don't know if we got a lot of deer, and then now you guys have got cameras out, and it's like whoa, we got a lot of deer. <laughs> when you have 12, 12 nannies in one frame, that's that's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think at one point I said, uh, you guys are going to have to shoot like 30 does. And you're like, this is South Carolina, man. There's not a lot of deer down here. And it was like, yeah. well, there might not be in South Carolina, but there's a bunch of them on your farm. I get a lot of that. You know, when I when I talk to other, other people that hunt or uh, that have farms and or uh, just tell them about what I'm doing, and I get a lot of questions, too, on Facebook. You know, uh, Sunshine Legacy Farms has a Facebook page, and I, I post, you know, everything that we do. Uh, but people think I'm crazy when I tell them I'm going to go down there and shoot 20 does. Well, you're going to shoot all your deer. You're not going to have anything left. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen my food plots? <laughs> have you yeah. seen my cages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, I sure do appreciate you guys. Uh and all your hard work and for you coming on tell the guys i said hello and uh, keep up the good work and i can't wait to hear how it progresses even another year of work well adam i, I appreciate everything uh you've been very very responsive anytime i've texted you with a question or a concern or or anything like that and i'd just like to encourage anybody you know to hire land and legacy because i mean you you not only get what you pay for at the time, but you're going to get a, a long lasting relationship. And anytime you need to go to guy, I mean, it's either going to be you or, or there's seed, you know, I got Keith, which is great. Uh, just there's, there's so many contacts out there that you gain through land and legacy that, uh, that answer all your questions. I mean, there's, there's never been a time that I didn't have a question that I didn't get it answered. Y'all, y'all are very, very Stop knowledgeable. It. In it. Stop it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's the truth. You know, it's the truth. Yeah, man. Well, I sure do appreciate it. That's awesome. And uh, good luck. When's season open up for you guys? Uh, September 15th. Perfect. Same day as us, but we'll be in Ohio at the QD May Deer Stewart 2. Uh, but 
we'll be hurrying back to get the tree stand because September 15th is like a national holiday and, and uh, is, is a celebratory day for us. So we're excited for season to be here. Can't believe it's already here. It seems like just yesterday we were at your guys' farm, or I was at your guys' farm and, and uh, helping you guys prepare for what's getting ready to open up. So it's unbelievable. Man, I, know, I know you think I'm crazy, but I could skip this deer season and just keep right on working and be just as happy because the results that I'm seeing, you know, I just want to do more. <laughs> I don't think you're crazy at all. In fact, <laughs> I have that same thought like, man, it sure be nice just to work right through this fall and skip oh, hunting would. and give the deer another year of age. And But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, my luck, I'd go out there and run the first chainsaw and the deer would run over the hill and get shot by the neighbor. And I'd be like, oh, my oh, gosh, yeah. all I did was push the deer. All I did was uh, <laughs> uh, unplanned deer drive. So, yeah, unplanned deer drive. <laughs> anyway, well, man, appreciate you. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll circle you. back and talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Yeah.